0: There we go. I want us to move into our our message this morning. And uh, for those of you who were here last week, you uh, had the opportunity to pick up a journal. <laughs> yep, even got it with you. You are awesome. If it's stuck in your Bible or with you, you thank you for using that. Uh, one of our life groups called me and said, okay, how are we supposed to use this? And I realized I didn't give you a whole lot of instruction. Um, but it's just supposed to guide you through the next week. So as you see, the dates at the top. Uh, It gives you some questions and some thoughts to help you. Um, And and I want to encourage you this morning to share some of those with others. And so, like I said, one of our life groups, they're using this as a guide for them over the next few uh, weeks and uh, welcome others of you to do that. If you don't have one of those journals, don't fret. There's some more out on the uh, help desk and we'll help you get one and take it home with you. uh, that's why they're there. So, feel free to take one. Even if you left yours at home, you can take another. We won't, you know, we're not taking account. So, you're good there. Um, we're into this 90 days of transformation. It's going to carry us all the way up to March 2nd. And the first, uh, the, the the first chapter of the 90 days is the season of Advent and Christmas. And we're just preparing for God. That's what Advent is for. It's to help us get ready that we say, Lord, come again. And make us ready for your coming. Uh, In that that journey, we light these candles. And um, I had to apologize to Dell and Judy for getting the most complicated lighter we could find. Um, to use. But uh, we light these candles. So last week we lit the first candle, the candle of hope. And this week we light the candle of love. And so we're going to talk about how love needs to be something we take along on the journey. And then uh, next week we'll talk about joy. And then on the 23rd we'll talk about peace. And then on Christmas Eve we'll light that big wonderful white candle, the Christ candle in the center that, that now the Christ child has come. And uh, it's just a way to help us, just a visual reminder that we're, we're walking this way toward the arrival of Christ. So today we're going to talk about how we prepare for the journey and how we prepare the element of love in our lives. So Andy, I'm going to need your help back there, buddy. I am so sorry. This thing is not cooperating. That's okay. We've got plan B. So I want you to think about this. The best journeys in life are journeys that you get to make with people that you love and people that love you. And we'll come back to this thought over and over again because here's what I want you to be thinking about. Who do I want and need to make this journey with me? Maybe you've had this experience if you've traveled very much or vacationed at times you've probably experienced this just like I have. You go on a journey, you you go on a trip and you prepare, you pack your stuff and you plan for all these things that you're going to do and experience. You take your camera, you take your beach towel if you're going to swim and you you take your cold weather stuff if you're going skiing and you, you pack the appropriate things for the journey. And then, after you leave somewhere along the way, you realize that there's something you don't have and you didn't know that you should bring it. And you thought, well, if I had known, I would have packed my, you know, my curling iron, my toothbrush, something that you didn't know you were going to need, and then all of a sudden you need it. Uh, For some of us who drive on vacation, and who have cars that are a little well-seasoned and um, used and loved, you're driving along and something happens and you go, man, if I'd only brought that tool, I could fix what's not working all by myself, but instead I've got to pay somebody a lot of money because they have the tool and I don't on my journey. Well, several years ago, Um, My family, we were able to make a wonderful journey, uh, a wonderful trip, uh, and get a break from ministry. I was on sabbatical. My church at the time allowed me to take a sabbatical, which was a life-giving thing. And uh, we traveled from Illinois here to Kansas, and we connected with my dad. My dad wanted to go to California because he had a couple of things in California he wanted. There was a sofa that had been his parents. It was actually a love seat. It had been his parents. It's an antique. And um, our family in California, they all decided we don't have any room for it anymore. Dad said, I really want it. And then um, one of my uncles had a stamp collection, and my dad loves stamps. And so he said, I want to go to California, and I want to pick up the sofa and the stamp collection. And so uh, I had some time, and I said, well, you know, we wouldn't mind going to California with you, so why don't we drive you to California? So we came here to Kansas. We picked Dad up. And uh, Dad joined the three of us and in our minivan we started west and we got on I-70 and headed up over the mountains and um, climbed up over the summit, you know, up by Vale on I-70 and started coming down the other side of the mountains. If you've been through there, it's gorgeous. And it was July and it was a hot day for being up that high in the mountains. And as we were coming down from the summit... I noticed that my gas gauge was going down rather quickly. And I said, you know, I think something's wrong uh, with the car because we're using a lot of gas. And about that time, uh, Kayleen and Linnea were sitting in the back of the van and they said, well, we smell a lot of gas fumes back here. So I knew something was wrong. And uh, as we were coming down off of the mountains, off of the summit, I said, yeah, I'm going to pull in here and uh, and, and into the little wonderful mountain town of Glenwood Springs. Um, And so I got there to the exit, and we pulled off the exit, and there was a lot of vacation traffic. It was July, and uh, and, and if you know the geography there, that's where the road from Aspen comes and intersects with I-70, and there was bumper-to-bumper traffic. I mean, all of a sudden it just stopped, and... um, We were not going anywhere, and I got out. Literally, I got out of the car, because we were stopped in the road. The the traffic wasn't moving. And I looked underneath, and you could see gas dripping, just, just pouring out. And so then I got a little bit worried, because the traffic isn't moving any faster than my gas tank is leaking. And I realized that I may not make it into the little town of Glenwood Springs, but thankfully geography was helping me out. We were still coming down. And so I came down, and occasionally when, when the terrain would change a little bit, we'd lose power. You know, we, we weren't getting any gas. And then we would coast into town again. And, um, and one of my favorite memories from that trip, we finally we coasted into town and we were done. We had no more gas and we didn't make it to a service station. And I pulled off the side of the road and there was just enough residual gas dripping out the bottom, but the car wasn't running. And actually what it was was our fuel line had, had ruptured. And we pulled up to a stop and coasted to a stop right beside the road, Main Street, Glenwood Springs, right in front of a bar. And there were two guys standing out in front of the bar on the sidewalk, and as we pulled up, uh, they were standing there smoking their cigarettes. And I rolled my window down. I said, "Hey, we've got a gas leak. And I'm telling you, if you want to help people quit smoking, just threaten to incinerate them." And uh, these guys put out their cigarettes right away, and uh, and actually. Uh, a fire department came by and stopped and checked. They were worried about it. But here we were, we were two blocks from a service station where we could get the car worked on, and we were done. And I, I said, you know, if I had four inches of tubing, <laughs> I could put it in there and get us down there, but I didn't have that. For some reason, fuel line wasn't something I packed. We did get on and went on to California. But sometimes it's not a thing that you leave behind. It's someone. And you're along on the journey and you see something or you experience something and you're reminded of who's not there. For some of us, that can be a very painful experience because there's someone that we love. And we're used to journeying with them. We're used to them being right there in the next seat and saying, oh, did you see that? Isn't that isn't that beautiful? Or Isn't that, wasn't that wild and strange? And they're not there. And this time of year, as we come to the holidays, we we feel that profoundly because that loved one is missing. And we think they should be here with us. They should be sharing the joy of the season with us. They should be smelling the stuff baking and listening to the wrapping paper go on to presents and smile and laugh and joke with us. And they're not on the journey. For some of us, it's, it's even more sad than that. It's that there are people, but we failed to connect with them. And we just, we just miss that. We aren't paying attention, or we aren't welcoming them very well into our lives. And so we experience things, and we wonder, wow, how would it have been if I'd experienced this with someone else, but they're not there? There's a, there's a lyric to a song that, that Kayleen and I love because um, it sort of spoke to an experience in our lives. Um, we experienced several miscarriages uh, earlier in our marriage. And uh, the, this line in the song just says, I never knew I could miss someone I never met. And I, I'm reminded of that. And it's not just because of miscarriage, but sometimes we say, well, there's, there's just someone missing. There should be someone here with me to experience this. Or maybe it's someone we've met and we know, and it's just the circumstances that pulled us apart, and they should be here, and they should see this, and we should be able to talk about this experience and celebrate it together, but they're just not there. And somehow our journey lacks something then. It, it isn't quite as rich and wonderful and powerful as it could have been because someone's missing here. If they're missing because of us, because we failed to invite them, because we failed to connect with them, because we didn't think that we needed them along with us, that's on us. And so I just want to start by suggesting that the best journeys are journeys we make with people that we love and people who love us. So think about this over the next 90 days. Who do you want to journey with? Who who do you want to be your traveling companion? Because along the way, you're going to experience things. God is going to open our eyes to things. We're going to see new truths. We're going to experience the wonders of walking with Jesus. And we want to be able to turn to someone beside us and go, Did you see that too? And enjoy the wonder of that. Let me see if my remote's working again yet. Yeah, I lost Andy. <laughs> Andy, oh, you, you're, oh man. He's really messing with me. He has a remote that works. Okay, let's look at Philippians 1. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and uh, he's in prison. And so his journey has taken him to a place that he doesn't really want to be. He's in jail, and he writes to the people in Philippi. And you would think that he would go, you know, I wish you were here with me. But of course he's not going to say that. He's in jail. He's been arrested and incarcerated. And instead, this is what he says to the people that have journeyed with him. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. I'm going to stop just there. So you already see... There's these elements of a journey. You've been partners with me. You've been another way I think we could say that. You've been my traveling companions. And so from the time I started doing this until now, you've been there with me. He goes on. Verse 6. I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue. So the journey's going on. I think this is a continuing journey. We're not done. He will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. This is where we get to the second candle of love. See, here is Paul and he's writing from this nasty, dark, damp dungeon. And he says, I've been walking with you. You guys have been traveling with me. You know what our journey has been about. And even though we're separated and even though I'm in a place I really don't want to be, I remember you and I hold this special place, this compassionate place in my heart for you. He goes on, you share with me the special favor of God both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ. So you see here, there's this element that we're on this journey together and now we are bonded. There's something that has connected us. And even though we're separated by geography and even separated by incarceration, we're on this journey together. He goes on, I pray that your love will overflow more and more that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. I'm just going to stop here again. Here he is, and he is expressing this incredible bond. I I, I love you people there in Philippi, and I really want you to have this understanding of what really matters. And there's a connection to that in love that we're going to get to in a moment. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. All right. Keep us moving here, Andy. Thank you. Remember, the best journeys are the ones where we journey with people we love and people who love us. So think about who you're going to take along on the journey. Take someone who loves you on the journey of transformation. If you are going to change, there are people who care about you that will help you and strengthen you to get there. Keep moving there, Andy. Thank you. So, let's talk about love and what love has to do with this journey because um, you would think that this is just me talking about 90 days of transformation because I have an end goal in mind and I want our church to look like this. Here's, here's what I'm convinced. Um, I think that the wealth of our church is defined in the way that we love one another. Jesus said to his disciples, they'll know that you're my followers. They'll know you're my disciples because you love one another. And in fact, I, I am convinced that the most powerful tool that we have in our tool belt to share the gospel is the love of Christ. I think it it does way more than really eloquent arguments or really humorous memes on Facebook. I think sharing the gospel is much more compelling when we have it housed in the love of Christ. And I think that the gospel comes apart. It loses its salt and its light when we fail to be loving to one another. And so on this journey of life, not just the next 90 days, I think it's really crucial that we get to journey along with other people. And I think it is really dangerous when we go it alone. And so I just suggest you don't go it alone. Growing up in Africa, I, I got to know all, about a lot of animals. I love the outdoors. I love African wildlife. I love to take people to Africa, some of you know this, and show them the wildlife. And um, I had an interesting experience with Kayleen this year when we were over there in October. Um, We had our schedule rearranged and we had a day in between that we hadn't planned on. And my friend John gave us car keys and said, hey, here's my car, go do something fun. So we went to a a a game reserve area called Pelonsburg, and drove around. I'd never been there before. Even though I grew up there, I thought, I want to go there because I haven't been to this place. It wasn't there. When I was a kid, it was just kind of wild area. But they've now made it a game reserve and introduced more animals. So we went, and we enjoyed ourselves. It was a great day. And uh, lunchtime, there was a little restaurant area, and so we sat down to eat lunch. And there were these uh, game guides coming in with their... Uh, people that they're taking on these open-top game viewers, we call them. They're they're pickup trucks that have several rows of seats and no top on them, so you can see the elephants and the lions. But we had just been driving by ourselves. Well, we sat down to eat, Kayleen and I, and one of these guides came and sat at the table next to us, and he had some people from his... his, uh, guided tour there with him. And um, the restaurant was this open air. It had a short wall about three and a half, four feet high. And then on the outside of the wall was a water hole. And when we got there, the, uh, the waiter, the server said, I'm sorry, there aren't any animals here right now. But we sat down and by the time our food came, some, some zebra had walked in and then some other antelope came in and eventually some elephants came in. And then just across a little four foot wall from you. And uh, they come and go as they please. So we were enjoying the animals coming through while we were eating a wonderful meal. And this guide next to us started talking to the people that he was guiding. And he was telling them about the animals coming in. And I was really, really, really irritated. Because he was telling them things that were patently untrue. And so he was talking about these animals coming in and here come the elephants in and there's a salt lick. They would put a salt block out by the water hole and and the guide says, the elephants are going to come in because they want to get to the salt lick. They're going to come in and lick the salt. And I heard him say that. I don't want to go, you lie. The elephants are not going to lick the salt. If you've ever seen how an elephant eats... I, I've watched elephants. I've spent hours watching elephants I've been I've, I've read about them. I've even learned some things recently about them that I didn't know. But I know that elephants don't lick a salt like they cannot get down there. An elephant never puts its mouth on the ground. never does. It uses its trunk, it takes leaves off the tree, it takes grass off of the ground. It will never get that far down because it will not get back up very easily. And so I looked over at the guy and I was like, "Really? And Kayleen was kind of patting my hand, it's okay, honey, you know, it's all right. And I go, this guy's making a living lying. So I kept eating and was getting a little indigestion, but then he went on, and a bird came in, it's called a gray lory. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a remarkable, bigger bird, and he came in and landed, we call him the go away bird, because he has this call that sounds like it's saying, go away, go away. And um, the gray lory has a, and, okay, I grew up in Africa. My dad was a bird watcher, and I know a few things about birds in Africa. And so this gray lory comes in, and he lands, and he calls out, go away, go away. And so he says, oh, so that's a lory," and uh, we call it the go-away bird. So, that, okay, maybe he's, maybe he's just having a bad day. And then he goes on to say, we also, they also come in green. And I said, no, they don't. That's a Nizna lorry. Not a, I mean, this is a gray lorry. <laughs> and he says, they come in green. And I'm sitting here, and I'm just, I'm intensely bothered by this. I'm sitting here going, how is it that this guy knows this stuff, or says he knows this stuff, and nobody's calling him out going, really? Later on that evening, I sat down back at my friend's house, and he goes, how was your day? I said, well, we had a wonderful time. It was beautiful. We had this wonderful lunch. And as soon as I mentioned lunch, I said, but there was this guy who was a game guide and he kept telling these people stuff about the animals. that was just completely false. And, and he turned to me and he goes, you should have just picked up your food and gone over to their table and sat down and said, now let me tell you the way it really is. You have the wrong person taking you through you're, you're traveling with the wrong guy. You paid this guy, and he, he knows nothing about what he's talking about. It's like paying a guy to fix your car when he has never lifted the hood of a car. And so we kind of laughed and joked about that. But it bothered me intensely because here's what I think. I think who you journey with is really, really important in life. That's why I think it's really important, young people, who you decide to marry. Because you're going to make that journey with that person. And it's really important that that person is committed to you. It's really important that that person knows how to love you. That that person, I think, knows how to love Jesus and live in the love of Jesus. I think it's really important, those of you who are becoming parents, to know that when this little one comes into the world and they are your charge, they're your child, they... They are going to depend on you, and God has given you an incredible gift that they get to journey with you, and not just for 18 years, but for the rest of their life. I think it's really important, grandparents, that God has given you this incredible opportunity to affect another generation beyond your parenting, and to love them, and to nurture them, and help them grow. Because I think who you journey with is really important. One of my seminary profs used to say this, and it's, it's a little bothersome and uncomfortable, but I think it really gets to the point, and I like to say it to my daughter, because I like to bother her and make her a little uncomfortable. He used to say us, he goes, pay attention to whose diapers you change, because eventually they'll change yours. Now, I like to tell that to my daughter. I change your diapers, and eventually you're going to change mine, and she, she and I have differing views on this. But I, I, I do believe that when I reach that point in my life where I return to a childlike state and require that kind of care, I really want her to be there. For some of us, we've reached that place with our parents, and all of a sudden it's really important that we're there in their lives even though their ability to recognize us or appreciate what we're doing um, is very diminished. You see, who we journey with is very, very important and we don't ever want to go alone. We're not built to go alone. Some of us, you know, we need time to recuperate. We're, we're um, introverted and we get taxed when we're around a lot of people, but none of us are built for complete isolation. It will drive you mad. So what we do is we bring these people in, and then what we do is, even though we're separated by geography or time or things like that, we still keep them in our heart. That's what Paul says. I keep you in my heart. I still think about you when I pray. He's saying to these people in Philippi, even though I'm not there with you and you're not here with me, I'm holding on to this memory and I am holding on to you in my heart and that how somehow gives me strength. For those of us that have lost loved ones, you know exactly what I'm talking about where they're gone and they're no longer experiencing the suffering of this world but, but, and it seems like at the most inopportune times we're reminded of them. And we hold them in our heart, and we might feel a twinge of pain and sadness because they're not here experiencing the joy we're experiencing. Or we might feel some sadness because they're not here giving us strength, but yet their memory seems to strengthen us. And we hold on to that. For some of us, and this is one of the places of my journey right now, as I sit with my parents, I remember how my parents were. I want to remember how they were when I was younger because I recognize that they have changed and life has taken its toll on them and age is taking its toll and and they may not remember the way they remembered before and they may not be able to interact the way we interacted before. And so when I sit with my mom and hold her hand, I try to remind myself that there were times when she held my hand and it meant so much to me because she was strong and she was wise and I was not. And the tables may have turned or it might be the other side of the coin, but it's really important that I keep her in my heart and remember what she's done for me as I return the favor in her later years and do for her. You see, this kind of bond of love does something to strengthen us along the way. And in fact, when when it's more than just a familial bond and it's, you know, I, I grew we grew up together or, you know, that they're my parents. When there's a spiritual bond that overlays that or becomes intertwined with it and it's a bond not just between us and another person but between us and another person and God, it becomes this wonderful, holy, intensely powerful bond. Scripture tells us When it speaks of relationship, it says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I think what that means is when you have this intertwining of individuals with God as a part of that, it's a really strong thing. And so, you know, I think about this. It's not just, you know, the regular strength Tylenol. It's not just the regular strength glue. It's the extra strength glue. And I've always wondered... Um, I'm, I guess this, I'm just this kind of guy. I've always wondered, people who go to the store and I've go, I got to buy glue, but I'm going to get the regular strength glue. Why? Because I would really like it eventually to fall apart. I don't understand that. But, you know, I think when it's regular and there's extra strength, and maybe I'm just a marketing dummy, that I'm the guy that the guy marketing just goes, let's write extra strength on there. And I buy it. I pay another dollar. Because I want extra Strength. But here's the thing, I'm also maybe a relational dummy because I think in, the, in my relationship, in my friendships, in my relationship with my wife, in my relationship with my daughter, my relationship with my parents, my siblings, my church family, I want extra strength. I want this spiritual web woven through here so that it's not just that I like you, but I love you and I love you with the love of Christ and I've experienced the love of Christ from you and it makes things even stronger and it means that leaving you on the journey is even more costly. We should journey together. Let me remind you, go ahead Andy, the best journeys are those ones where people we love go with us. Years ago, my grandparents came to visit us in Africa. It was a trip of a lifetime for them. Um, they'd never been outside of the United States, and uh, except I think they went to Niagara Falls and went across to Canada, which I don't think counts because that's still part of us, but anyway. They came to visit us in Africa, and they grew up on farms in Nebraska. And when they got there, dad and mom had planned to take them on safari, we were gonna go see some animals, and. Um, we were so excited. We could, hardly, we could hardly stand it. We couldn't sleep the night before we left because we were taking grandpa and grandma to go see these African animals. And we couldn't wait because we knew where we were going and we knew what they were going to see and we thought it was going to be wonderful. And little did we know, my grandmother was absolutely terrified. She was scared to death. And so we went down, we, we, we camped and uh, went for one day out to drive through this huge game reserve. And an elephant was in front of the road, a small dirt road, two tracks through the bush, and an elephant was in front of us. Now fortunately, he was, he was facing the other way, and we were behind him, so in order for him to really engage us in any threatening way, he'd have had to turn around. So we just sat there, oh wow, look at this big huge bull elephant, we sat there, took some pictures, and then we realized that time was getting away from us, and we had to get back you can't stay in the game reserve after dark, and we had to get back to our campsite, and my dad said, you know, I'm getting a little bit worried because our campsite's up there, and the elephant's in the road, and he's not in any big hurry. Now, for us kids, we were kind of like, we get to spend the night in the bush. This is going to be an adventure. After about 10 minutes, my grandmother began praying out loud in the car, and she was calling down, fire from heaven on this elephant. The last thing she wanted was to spend the night out in the bush. And so here we were, and us kids sitting in the back, we got tickled. I mean, we, we thought this was hilarious. And it was a little bit disrespectful. My mom was a, my, my grandmother was a God-fearing woman. And she was there in, in our van, and she was praying that Jesus would take that elephant home And us kids sitting in the back two seats were snickering and giggling and carrying on. And she got a little bit perturbed that we were not of the same heart and mind. Years later, my grandmother passes away. And we're sitting around tables eating a meal after her funeral. And we're sharing memories with cousins and we tell this story of grandma being in the car with us and the elephant wouldn't get out of the way and we were not going to make it back to our campsite and we were going to sleep in the car all night and, and how uh, her blood pressure just shot up and didn't appreciate our responses. And I tell you, we laughed and we cried around the table. Thankful that we got to make that journey with her. And she may have been terrified, but we were highly entertained. So I just want to caution you that, that when you go through these journeys of transformation, it may be terrifying to us, but other people might be looking going, this is really good. This is really good. Next slide, Andy. You see, Paul says to the people in Philippi, he goes, you know, I want you to have your love multiplied. I want you to have love more and more, he says. And, and so it's not just about I've got enough, but we want this love to extend and go beyond. And one thing about love that we have come to understand is the more you love people, the more your capacity to love people. And if we're tempted to say, I, can't, I just cannot care for that person, our capacity to love people that are close to us even diminishes. But Paul says, I want you to love more and more, and then he goes on and he says, I want you to love more and more, and I want you to love more and more with understanding, and um, there's, this, there's this word, uh, asthesis is the word in Greek, it's, it's used in this passage, it's the only place in scripture where it's used, and some of your translations might have it as insight, I want you to have love more, love overflowing, so that you might have this insight, or this understanding, and it's, it's a strange word. It's the only time it's used in Scripture. But there's this sense that as we love the quality and the quantity of our love, we are given some greater sense of being able to see and perceive things and how they are actually going on around us. One commentator says, it's a love that gives us the ability to penetrate through the fog of relationships. And so here's Paul, and he says, I'm praying that you will have this kind of love. I want you to have this kind of love that sees beyond just the surface. I want you to have this kind of love that goes way deep and has, has incredible understanding. And, and an incredible understanding that leads us to incredible commitment. Commitment. This is a love that looks far deeper than just the kind of stuff we hear on the radio in a pop song. This is the kind of love that says, you know, hard times are going to come, but we're going to stick together. Disagreements are going to come, but we're going to work them out because we've promised we're going to love each other. This is the kind of love that says, I'm going to walk with you because I'm going to try to understand you very, very well. And that only comes from a commitment to each other. So here's the next thing uh, that Paul says. He says, I pray also that you will be able to discern, or one one translation says, so that you can decide what really matters. And Paul prays that they, their love gives them a sense that this is what really matters more than anything else. I got to tell you, the world is going to is going to come at you with all kinds of value um, statements. This should really matter. This matters a lot. You should absolutely have this in your life. Whether, and, and, and the world is going to try, try to tell you those kinds of things on all manner of things they're trying to give you. They're going to tell you you need this, whether it's chewing gum or life insurance. And your life is incomplete without this. But I'll tell you, Paul is praying for the people in Philippi. And he says, I really pray you have this love because you need to be able to discern. You need to be able to decide what really matters. Does this really matter or does this not? Because when it comes to the journey, having those people along with you on the journey is crucial. And so here's what he says. In that passage of Scripture, this is a different translation that I really like. Um, CEB, for those of you who are curious. This is my prayer. That your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. There's that strange word. I pray this so that you will be able to decide what really matters, so that you will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. Here's why I think love is crucial on the journey because we are going to come to decision point after decision point after decision point and making those kinds of decisions and choices in life need to be informed by the love we have for one another. In fact, I think there are times when it is worse to be right and have no love than it is to be wrong and have a lot of love. Paul says to the people in Corinth, it doesn't matter if you can prophesy, it doesn't matter whether you can do all these kinds of wonders. If you don't have love, you're just going to be an annoying noise. And so I'm, I'm convinced that on the journey, we need this element of love to be rich and overflowing and abounding more and more because it's going to strengthen us, it's going to hold us together, it's going to unify us, and it's going to give us understanding and discernment that we otherwise would miss because we're going to make decisions callously and without care for one another. so I'm thankful, I'm thankful that God in his mercy sent his son into the world for us and sent his son in this strange way to be born of a woman who was pledged to be married to a man and sent him right in the midst of a love affair. Right in the middle of a love affair. That's where my child is going to land. That's where the son of God is going to be. And I would just suggest to you that the second and third and fourth coming of Christ is probably going to show up in some kind of a love affair. Some kind of a relationship where we're tied up with someone beside us and we're trying to figure out how we care for them and walk with them and journey with them and then suddenly we'll realize but God is here in this too and somehow this is holy. So I want to give you a little bit of relief when it comes to relationships. Some of you might be going, but Pastor, you don't understand. We just don't get along. I don't get along with my wife. I don't get along with my kids. I don't get along with my parents. I don't get along with my boss. I don't get along with my neighbors. And if you're saying all of those things together, we really need to talk because then you really need some transformation. But, um, Yeah, you know, there are times in life where we just have friction with people around us, and it's hard, and it's demanding. But I want to tell you this. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts so that we can share that with one another, and don't ever forget to bring people along with you who love you. And don't ever forget to bring along people with you that you love. Band, come on up, and let's uh, sing in closing.